Daniel Hassel is the creative force at Rosemont. Daniel, it's good to have you here on The Antidote. Thank you so much. I am beyond excited to be here. Oh, you liar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here, I've got something important to ask. Why choose Rosemont for the band name? It must mean something special to you. Uh, Funny enough, it's not all that complicated, nor that well thought out. Um, at first, I started as a poet, uh, and I went by the name Inflamed Truth, and I was just like, this is very cringeworthy in some sort of weird form or fashion. And then um, I was just praying one of these days. Uh, I think, yeah, it was like 2016 or something like that. And like I was just like, I, I want to start something new. I want to do something with music. And I drove to my old street where I was born here in Detroit, and Rosemont is the name of the street. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is this is actually really dope. I, I think that's what we'll do. We'll take that and use that. And so that was the start of everything. So now we know that because I always want to start at the beginning. You know, the earliest thing I found from Rosemont is from 2015, the spoken word single, Forgetting What We Had. Yes. It speaks about the dark side of your soul. Seriously, you have an alternate side? No, not necessarily. Um, So like uh, a lot of my um, poetry, a lot of my writing actually had a lot to do with um, just the thoughts and feelings that I had inside about situations that happened in my life. A lot of them pertaining to relationships and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was writing those things, these were the best expressions that I could come up with that made sense to myself not necessarily that could be relatable to somebody else but something that i could identify with in the best way possible admittedly some of it was over dramatized because you know feelings and me kind of kind of do that dancing thing between one another where we're just like i feel extremely sad and then i feel extremely happy and like that's just how i am as a whole but sure but yeah, typically, like whatever I'm actually writing um, nowadays is actually like a proper representation of what's going on inside of me for sure. Here's something else that I'm trying to get straight. Is Rosemont just you? I mean, I see players in photos from your shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it started out just me. And technically, the band is still just me. But I also have bandmates that have help me and build things with me they're very much the integral parts of this thing that that i started um but they are my bandmates for sure uh, they come in they help me out they do everything like they play the songs that i'm writing um but yeah when we're talking about the writing process it is just me i do go to my basis to write bass parts and <laughs> i'm trying to get with my drummer to write drum parts and everything mm-hmm. but He lives in a different state, but that's just another story. (laughs) (laughs) We were already talking about your poetry, and you really, truly are poetic. Another track, Heart in a Chest, says, In your hands was a heart, a heart that kept beating, that kept bleeding, that kept creating love and recreating what love was, but could not find the right formula. You really do dig deep, but you also make it sound as if life isn't simple. Um, you know, okay, I'm gonna take a moment and just say thank you because like, (laughs) 
like honestly, I didn't I didn't know what I was writing per se. I just knew I was hurt. And so like out of that hurt, I wrote like pieces of things that I just thought was once again just like to my credit, like where I was in that moment and like how I felt, what I thought would be, you know. Um, so like it's just crazy to me that like you heard that and you're just like, this is actually super solid. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, but Yes, to answer your question, yes, no, 100%. I don't believe life is that easy. I think life is as tumultuous as like most things in life. Like like most things that you go through in life. Like you you're forever deciding things that will bounce in and out of like yourself, like trying to decide something that will actually be better for you or something that will keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Um both of those things do not coincide to one another. So like if you choose something that's better for you, you are also taking a risk. But if you choose something that is comfortable to you, you are still taking a risk. And so like, there's no, there's no like level playing field when it comes down to life in itself. Everything is a learning curve. Yeah. So you're saying then that life shouldn't be simple. No, I don't think it, it should be. No, I think it makes it more beautiful to understand that you have the potential to make a decision that could alter like how you view something so beautifully. And that's okay because like there's two things I know for sure. Like the Lord is always going to be with you regardless of like what decisions you actually make. Um, Crazy enough, whether they be bad or good, he obviously wants you to choose life, but like he still gave us free will to actually make the decision to, you know, not do that, which is weird. But like, um, as a good father, he's not one to like say, okay, you chose a bad thing. So now you get punished for that bad thing. Like he's, he's one to say, oh, you chose a bad thing. I'm here for you in the bad thing. But then I'm also going to teach you how to choose the right thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful that he's able to do that because with how we operate as humans, we tend to sulk in the idea that we did something terrible. And then in that, we don't get the beauty out of the the mistake. Mm-hmm. We only get the terribleness. We only get the hell. And it's just like, what if we're able to understand that not all of our choices are detrimental to our own existence? Rather than just getting sucked down that whirlpool. Yeah, exactly. When you're doing the spoken word, like, are you performing it or just recording and then putting it out to the world? Um, It was a... A handful of both things. Uh, that's actually how I started with music as a whole. Um, you could hear like the the loop beats in the background of like each track and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But like when I was writing, I didn't have the mindset to actually perform it up until I started seeing like Levi the poet and um, a couple of other poets, uh, Jackie Hill Perry, um, back then perform their art, and I was like, oh, this is an actual performance thing. Um, and it wasn't until I realized that you could travel with it until I met Chris Bernstorff and Josh Mozuck, mm-hmm. um, two beautiful friends of mine that like traveled all over the place, just doing this, this poetry thing in front of people in their houses. And I was just like, this is actually insane. Um, I want to be a part of this so bad. So let's try to make that happen. Well, you did make a big change when you brought out the EP Complacent Resolve in 2017. 
because you were having music playing a major role. Do you really think that was a like a natural progression? Um, in some ways, I believe it was. So I started playing on drums. Um, I've been playing since I was four. I'm 31 now. Playing music as a whole was just like something I've always wanted to do. I just never knew how to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start playing guitar until I was like 22. You were an old timer at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I didn't have the background that most people in the music industry does. Like I'm literally just learning by the seat of my pants. Like, oh, this is how this sounds and stuff like that. And like, I should just write that. Like I said, I wasn't playing guitar up until 22. It wasn't until I was bored playing video games one day. And the Lord was just like, hey, man, pick up that guitar your uncle gave you. And I was just like, no, nah, I don't know how to play that. He's just like, no, nah, I'll teach you. It'll be fine. And so like, I, I got to sit down and play one of my favorite City and Color songs on guitar for the first time. And, and I learned how to play it in a week. And that's when I knew, oh, I could do so much more with this. So I you said do- that God taught you. Yeah. Does God shred? <laughs> um, it's such a goofy like thing that it like imagine. Um, <laughs> um, no, like I think he's just so like intuitive about like who you are as a person that he's just like, oh wait, here's what you can do with what you don't think you have, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so yeah, like he he was just like, hey man, just look up a video, whatever song you want, just look it up, you'll be fine. And that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I want to bring up something about Complacent Resolved, and it's the title. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the funny thing about complacency is that it can be positive, but it can also be a negative. So why did you choose that title for the release? Um, So it's funny. I kind of pictured you asking this question. Um, (laughs) So, like, uh, I picked this because... During this time specifically, I was just fresh. Well, not necessarily fresh, but I had a relationship in 2010 to 2014 where um, it was like a lot of racism and a lot of pain and a lot of like just overall like overwhelming dread. And I I just didn't know how else to feel about it all. how I view complacency is like, it's a very passive thing where it's just like, Oh, I'll accept this for what it is because there's no other way I could, um, change it. And if I want it to, there's no different outcome that could actually come out of this because this is just what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then resolve like literally the opposite end of that. It's just like, I am completely okay with this. Like the resolute answer to it is like, I have no choice but to be okay with it. Um, And it's kind of represented by the beauty aspect of the cherry blossom uh, album art with the fire. Right. Um, So it's just like, Oh, everything I had was so beautiful and everything I also had was very traumatic, but yet this is what it was. I cannot go back and try to fix this. I cannot want to try to fix it. I have to be okay with the end result. And so that's where 
that kind of comes into play. Yeah, you're right. It, complacency sometimes could be a, neg- uh, a positive thing. Um, how I viewed it at the time was definitely an, a huge negative. <laughs> Something about Complacent Resolve is that you have really personal songs, like the one called Contentment. I've been missing you for days and days, but it wasn't enough. I just watched our hearts become bitter together. And that was enough to break our hearts and tear us apart. Man, it's like your soul is sad. Yes. A thousand percent, yes. Once again, that that entire relationship, you just believed so much that something new or something better could happen. And it ended up being not any of those beautiful things that you wished for. Mm-hmm. And then on on the side of it, it wasn't even you that was causing any type of like discrepancy it was the other person not giving it their all not giving you their all they were just some shell of a person that was that was absent from your pain and like the more you try to express every ounce of what was happening none of it was conveyed or heard for them to understand where you were and so like the lyric says we let the world literally pick at us. Every single thing that everybody else had to say about us, we let that become the focal point versus focusing on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything that was happening during the relationship plus that just became more and more prevalent. Well, you know, Rosemont had a similar message on my shadows. My prayers have changed. And now I'm begging God to take these away. These beautiful memories of you and me are torturing. I don't know, like, have relationships been a struggle for you? These aren't just stories. Yeah, uh, you're right. And that that's the beauty about what I do. The stories that I write or the songs that I write are meant to prod the questions that many people refuse to ask themselves when I started this, when I started Rosemont, it was, it was the the main focal point was like, it's a double-edged sword. I was angry at the church. I was angry at people. I was angry at like the people that hurt me Mm -hmm. to the point where like, I wanted them to understand where I was coming from. So what I, what I did was like, I started writing songs that will ask questions for people to understand where they're at because what how I believe is that like God works in two ways. He works with you in terms of like just coming to you and being with you and actually helping you, mm-hmm. right? But then He also works with your honesty. He also works with your your transparency, your your pain, even. And the crazy thing about all of it is that He's asking us to be honest about where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um. So like writing that entire ep to be honest it's just like i'm trying to get my grievances out without lashing out at the people that hurt me because i know at the end of the day if i lash out at those people it's not going to actually heal me so writing like my shadows for example in fact that that song has a double meaning um now so like that song was actually about that relationship and but in 2020 i lost my dad and so the first thing that came to mind. So that song is about regret. And so that was a regretful moment for me because I was an hour away from my father and I never got to like, just go sit and talk with him. 
once again, it's just like the realness that I that I'm trying to convey through my music is yes, it's all about like every terrible, almost terrible thing that has ever happened to me, right? But I think there's an entire planet that has not been honest with themselves about where they're at and how they feel or how they want to convey themselves to other people Mm -hmm. because of this fear of just not being accepted or not being heard or not being uh, understood. And I'm trying to help, I guess, in a way, help them understand that, hey, it's okay to be on the outskirts as long as you're willing to be honest still about that in itself. Okay, I'm going to switch around here totally differently. And don't be annoyed with me with this. A moment ago, you were mentioning about racism. Mm -hmm. And something I've been curious about, and I'm not trying to be racist here, but being black makes you stand out in the Christian music scene. I mean, the majority of black artists that I speak with are creating rap or hip-hop, but that's not your thing. Yeah, I I love these questions by the way. <laughs> these are awesome. Um no, it's so it's so interesting to me because like I uh yeah, like I I don't know what it is about rock music that like procs my ears, you know. I think it, a lot of it has to do with like my mom raising me and like to be completely fair, I have an entire gospel background. Like that's all I listened to. Mm-hmm. That's all I. That's all I was previewed to as a kid. Um, I had to sneak to listen to Emery because, like, my mom was like, "Oh, that's all that." Like demons just screaming on the on the track, and I was just like, "Nah, this song is about like pain. This is awesome." <laughs> um, but like, no, like it's just I don't know what it is about rock music that I can really delve into and like look at completely differently. Rap music, I think for me, being raised in the city, being raised in, in an environment that like perpetuates in its own self, like the entire, you know, vibrato that is hip hop, is sometimes off putting, but like that's just like the culture. You can't really tell them, ah, man, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. Now, like years ago, when like trying to find my niche in the music scene, I can easily say, there was a point where hip hop and stuff was very odd. <laughs> um, and it pushed that narrative a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, the perpetuation of like that culture, that, that vibe. Um, but nowadays I'm seeing that hip hop actually has a lot more like Kendrick Lamar's latest album was just all about mental health. And it was just why like, what makes me mad about that, and this is this an off kilter thing. What makes me mad about that album uh, is that people are seeing it or listening to it, and they're like, "Ah, we can't vibe with this." And then I'm listening to it, and I'm like, "Yo, lyrically, this dude is like talking about things that all of us are going through, and no one is seeing that." Really? Yeah. And it's it's crazy. Like um, so like this is the back and forth that I have with hip hop, and I'm so sorry, I'm totally going off topic. But like the back and forth about it is that you have the capability of writing something so beautiful, and like that actually will proc somebody's entire existence, like to think on a completely different plane, right? But the culture that is set in the hip hop industry is a bar so low 
that if you meet it, you're good to go. Like when Kendrick Lamar came out with that album, and I'm not saying he's the bar because to be honest, like there's a plenty of other artists that can do it infinitely better. Like when he set that tone, that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for when it comes down to music. Mm-hmm. Like the the things that will proc your ears, the things that will like grab you in and tell you something that you've never heard before or a perspective that you've never heard before. And I think when I was introduced to rock music, that's what I was introduced to. Like it was just, oh, you can play a really beautiful melody and give it all of its brutality in the one song and like your lyrics coincide with every single note. And it's just that excites me beyond measure. Whenever I'm able to write songs, that's what I get. You're just describing your song bones (laughs) because it's definitely post hardcore. Yeah. Like a lot of um, influences from a couple of my favorite bands, like, Moving Mountains, Loathe is one. Emery, Emery is literally the reason why I write the songs that I write. Really? Yeah, because they, they taught me how to be a believer and how to be sad at the same time. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, like that was a beautiful like contrast in itself. But yes. That's pretty similar to what's also heard on Embrace. You know, the lyrics are tough to listen to. I've watched you replace yourself with your own hate. Isn't that kind of extremism pretty common nowadays? It is. Um, So, like, the way I view it is, like, if you actually heard how people think, that wouldn't be the oddity. Like, genuinely, people deal with depression and, like, anxiety and stuff like that all the time. And the thoughts that they have are, like, literally just go into everything. That's a form of hate. That's a form of like disdain for themselves. And so like, um, yeah, when I'm writing that, in fact, like the, uh, the, the lyrics with the, the, all of the instruments going on, it's like, um, I found you creating, I don't even know my own lyrics. That's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to help you out here? Yeah, go for it. The, um, something about wombs. Here we go. Oh Yeah. You formed wombs to create reasons for your disdain. And I found you covering your own blame. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's, that's real. I believe it's an honest take on how people think of themselves, how they, some people, I will say, some people think of themselves, some people suffer on their own. Like the, the perpetuation, the continuous, like recycling of like their own thoughts and how they uh, create other reasons why they should hate themselves. Like, it's so convoluted. I do this on a daily basis. Like, I'm an overthinker, and I give myself reasons to not love myself even better than I did the other day. But yeah, that's where that comes from. So that's really a trial in your life then, Mm -hmm. having to deal with that, with yourself actually creating that. Yeah, yeah. in the end of it all, what ends up happening is just that your impatience for getting better or your your anticipation for being someone that, that you think you should be, um, the answer to all of it is giving yourself grace and understanding that there is a point in time where maybe you're not going to be in the right space that you think you should be, but at least you're okay right now 
and you could grow to fit in the space that you want to be in. That's a hard thing to do is to give yourself grace. Right. And that's, that's an everyday challenge. hundred percent. You know, it took the new EP lost in thought and the song canvas for me to finally clue into Rosemont style. I painted my heart with your skin, yet I still can feel the void within. There I am as a man with no reason to love you as much as I do. Now, you got to be honest with us and admit it that Rosemont is actually an emo band. <laughs> we we are we are and that's that's all. Like it's it's cool. Like I love it. That is 100% the truth. Like Rosemont is an emo band. And does emo need to come back? You as the leader? Oh no. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, <laughs> um honestly, whoever wants to team up and like storm the gates of like the music industry with that, then let's go. I'm so for it. Um, but nah, I don't think I don't think Rosemont needs to be the head of it. But if we are, then great. That's cool. <laughs> In one of your messages to me, you told me that these songs were the journey of Rosemont. So you're going to promise me that your journey isn't finished yet. Oh, no. Like, I'm I'm writing right now, I'm writing an entire new EP with brand new sounds. Um, Embrace is, being, is going to be on that EP, but because that was the start of it all. But yeah, like, we're not done. We're not done. Not for a long shot. And you're going to send me that EP before anybody else gets to hear it. I will. I will definitely try to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, I want to thank you for your time. It's been really cool to hear about Rosemont. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an awesome time answering all these questions. <laughs>